you could turn to your bi- in your Bibles uh, to Exodus 4, verses 10 through 17. If you have a Bible, uh, that would be great. Uh, as uh, you're turning there, uh, can you think, I just want to ask you a question, can you think of an event or an experience you've had uh, where God called you to do something that you just didn't want to do? <laughs> you just didn't want to do it. Uh, for me, uh, I've shared this before, but for me, it's pastoring. <laughs> like, like I, I did not, I was a business major. I started up a business when I was 15. I had no desire to be a pastor. I remember like curled up in the fetal position on a couch uh, with a friend of mine just saying, I don't want to do this. Like, like this was, and then this happened for years. And even, even after going to seminary, I came out and for years I didn't, I ran from this call to pastor. Um, so how does God call a person? How does that happen? Uh, I'd like to look at three kind of patterns. Uh, first, the pattern of resistance. Second, the pattern of weakness. Third, the pattern of obedience, not knowing where it will lead. Um, so in Exodus 3, first we have uh, the cry of the Israelites. Uh, and we, we read, God says, The cry of the Israelites has reached me. I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Now go, now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So we see God calling Moses to an enormous task. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's a big job that he's given. And then the nerve of this guy, for about a chapter leading up to our text we're going to read, he's just pushing back. <laughs> he's just pushing back against God. Uh, so let's uh, read our text, uh, and then we'll jump in. Do we have it up on the screen? Maybe we don't. Okay, I will read slowly. Exodus 4, 10 to 17. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you to speak, and I will teach you what to say. But Moses said, O oh Lord, please, send someone else to do it. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you, and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you to speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform miraculous signs with it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would open your word to us. Uh, might we see you. Uh, this morning, one of the children asked me, do you see Jesus? And uh, I pray that this morning, um, every single one of us here would see Jesus through the eyes of faith. 
through your word, through the partaking of the Lord's Supper. Um, bless us. May the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Moses said, pardon your servant. Please send someone else. Moses resists God's call. He resists it. Uh, he doesn't say, here I am, Lord, send me. <laughs> That's not his heart. Uh, he, he thinks of the court. Remember, he was raised as a prince. So he thinks of the court as he remembered it. He thinks of the high-powered people and how they would laugh at his poor Egyptian because he spent all his time in the desert. He thinks of the ridiculousness of his request that the Pharaoh would, would get rid of his free labor and let them go and worship God. Uh, and he doesn't even believe in what God has asked him to do. He's struggling to believe it. Uh, can you relate to him? Can you relate to him? Uh, God asking you to do something and being resistant to it. Um, Moses is a perfect example of God's power to sway a heart that is hard, a heart that is resistant. Uh, his story reminds us of Romans 3.11. No one seeks God. No one seeks God. The Bible says that the natural mind and heart are at enmity towards God. So we're, we're against God. Uh, the Bible says that the natural sinful heart has a goal in life to actually get away from God. And we see that in the opening chapters of Genesis. Adam and Eve, they just turn their back towards God. Um, we want to avoid the real God. No one seeks for God unless God seeks them first. Moses says, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. But God is patient, and God comes back to him again and again and again. Our cultural message that you receive every day, wherever you go, to the mall, watch a movie, whatever you do, it's, I can be fulfilled living life my way. I can be fulfilled living life my way. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. God says the only way for you to be fulfilled, the only way for you to be fulfilled is if you fulfill my calling. Number one, the pattern of resistance. Number two, the pattern of weakness. Um, some of you know this past week I got engaged. <laughs> to Aaron Choi. Uh, and our first date, I remember, she, one of the things she asked me is, what, tell me about your weaknesses. What is this, a job interview? <laughs> but, but another thing she said is, tell me, tell me what the expectations are on a pastor's wife at the village. <laughs> I go, oh my goodness. Um, in Korean, though, what's that? Piano, yeah, organizational skills, baking. She is terrified. And this is why. In Korean, they have this word called samonim. Repeat it, samonim. Okay. And so it uh, basically, uh, it means pastor's wife. But in Korean, it's a very kind of hierarchical 
culture, right? So it's, it's a loaded term. It means more than pastor's wife. It means mild, timid, self-abasing, spiritless, subdued, docile. Like that's the connotation. Yeah, that's the connotation. Um, so she was terrified from day one. Um, and the terror continues. Uh, <laughs> Just uh, this past week, Erin told all her cousins in Korea that we are engaged. And not all of them knew my work was as a pastor. So uh, it came out uh, to the extended family uh, and almost as a joke. It's like, Erin's going to be a Savonim. <laughs> and the exact words of her cousin, this was, just, this was just yesterday, the exact words of her cousin. This is a death sentence. Um, like, so the village may be a different kind of church. We're not Korean, um, but uh, Aaron's an introvert, and uh, and by being in relationship with me, she's called to be in relationships, right? Um, she's called to come out of her shell in weakness, um, and so we're talking here about the pattern of weakness, um, and it's. So if, if anyone here wants to terrify Erin next time she visits, say, Savonim. And I did get her permission to, not that joke, not that one, but, but every, everything leading up to this, I did get her permission. Um, it's interesting, though, uh, Moses is terrified. And he says, I've never been eloquent. I've never, like, I, I, this is not for me. Um, and it's interesting, God agrees with them. And responds, I will help you speak. Verse 12, Exodus 4, verse 12. I'll help you speak. I'll teach you what to say. Um, and this is this pattern in Scripture of weakness. Uh, so people, like the people God calls, they never look good on paper. Uh, God calls the worst candidate. Uh, Mary and Joseph were poor peasants, uh, but they were the parents of Jesus. Paul was the greatest persecutor of the whole church. And what happens? He becomes, he's called by God uh, to be an apostle and becomes the greatest evangelist. Rahab was an example of moral failure, a prostitute. And she becomes an example of repentance, faith, of godliness, of, of hospitality. Uh, we don't think about it. Every single one of the 12 disciples um, they would have gone to a rabbi, and they, they wouldn't have gotten picked. But Jesus goes and he picks them. That's God's calling. He calls people in weakness. There's an anonymous proverb that says, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. Um, in, at Redeemer, when I was doing leadership development work, we'd pick out students, and almost inevitably they'd say, I'm inadequate. I can't do this. And we'd say, you got it. That's the first step knowing you're inadequate, uh, the pattern of weakness. Um, Moses wasn't particularly gifted in the field he was called to perform in. And Paul goes on to say that uh, in terms of his weakness, um, the weaker he is, the more of God's power he will wield. Um, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Uh, Paul points to his weakness. Why? Why? because it points him to God. 
Um, Aaron uh, may not be a gifted uh, Samonim, um, but uh, this is the pattern of Christian service. Um, we're not necessarily gifted in the place we're called to perform in. Um, at the village, uh, it's kind of like it's, it's all hands on deck, right? We're a plant, so we have, you know, uh, the nursery, and we have ushering, and we have um, all these different tasks, and we just need people to fill the slots sometimes. <laughs> and uh, obviously, you know, when it comes to the nursery, people are screened and things like that. But um, God asks many of us to do things that we don't necessarily feel like we're capable uh, of doing by, her, by herself. Actually, there isn't a single thing God calls you to that you're capable of doing by yourself. There isn't one thing that God will ask you to do that you're capable of doing by yourself. You can't keep God's commandments by yourself. Uh, you can't put your sin to death by yourself. Uh, you can't serve God faithfully by yourself. Uh, you can't love your wife or love your husband by yourself. You can't love your neighbor in Thorold by yourself. Uh, you can't worship here on Sunday by yourself. Um, I love Mark's uh, confession. I, I struggle to talk the walk, is what he said. Um, We're not all called to be a mechanic and to own a mechanic business. Um, but I think we're called to listen to one another's stories of calling. Um, and this can range from overall life direction. And Mark has a cool story for how he ended up becoming a mechanic. Um, to befriending a neighbor. Um, and so I think it's important that we learn to listen to people's call stories. That's why we have testimonies every week. Kelly last week. Um, and then Mark this week. Then we can learn to kind of understand God's unusual ways of calling people in weakness uh, and uh, leading us uh, to overcome our fears and to, and to, to serve in weakness. Um, so point number one, the pattern of resistance. Point number two now, the pattern of weakness. Uh, point number three, the pattern of obedience. Uh, verse 18, we didn't read, but it starts with, then Moses went. <laughs> um, there's this really famous um, theologian, and he says, uh, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Um, that's what Moses was called to do. Uh, I really hope that Samonim, that whole thing, won't be a death sentence for Aaron. I really hope. Um, but I'm sure there'll be lots of little acts of sacrifice. My job is going to change. How I'm going to do things is going to change. Little acts of sacrifice by Aaron and myself. Um, and your call might not be Moses's, but the response of the disciple is simple acts of obedience. That's what I love about Mark's story. It was just like, called to be honest, you know. How much of a gift is that? An honest mechanic. Um, our gifts are always for others in little ways. Um, 
So I love what one author said. He said, when it comes to calling, we look for the big things to do. We want the big thing to do. Jesus took a towel and washed his disciples' feet. We presume the place to be is on the mountaintop where we get the vision. And he sends us down into the valley. We like to speak and act out of those moments of inspiration and passion. And Jesus requires our obedience in things like getting up because the kid's crying, you know, or uh, little things like, you know, they need someone in nursery, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just serve there. Um, he requires our obedience in the routine, in the unseen, in the thankless tasks. It's interesting to think uh, of the plows. So Jesus was, like we know Jesus was a carpenter, right? So he could have made tables, could have made plows for the farmers. Who knows what he all made? It's interesting to think of the plows that he made with his dad, right? Uh, He was a carpenter. What do you think they looked like? What do you think they looked like? Do you think they were cheap? Or do you think... Like, I mean, he, he was at it probably 15 years, right? He was about 30 when he was called in. You know, he, he probably grew up with his dad making stuff. Um, they were respectable. They were done for God. As Mark said, his work, when he's working on the car, he's doing it for God. Um, so uh, there's this story that's been told of a, of a professor, uh, he became such, uh, so fabled for his lectures. He was very well known. And he, there was only standing room in his classes. No one, there were no seats. People loved this guy. People flocked to, see his, to hear his wisdom, this professor. Uh, and yet his assignments always pr- produced some kind of confusion. People were confused. Uh, but sir, people said, after he explained the topic of the paper, how long does the paper have to be? How many pages does this assignment have to be? And he'd say, look, forget about your career for a moment. Forget about making the grade. All this is secondary. Turn in something you can respect. For those who answer the call of God, uh, every task is done under God. Every task is done with respect. Um, Point number one, uh, the pattern of resistance. Point number two, the pattern of weakness. Point number three, the pattern of obedience in the little things. Um, And you add it up, it's it's all little things. Like so much of it is the little things. Um, T.S. Eliot is a, a poet who's known for saying, Can a lifetime represent a single motive? Can a lifetime represent a single motive? What do you think? Can a lifetime represent a single motive? If the motive is our own, uh, I I don't think so. I think there's so much of what we do, there's there's mixed motives, right? There's different reasons why we do things. Um, We're not wise enough. We're not quite pure enough. We're not strong enough to, to sustain a single motive for an entire lifetime. Uh, but we read in Ephesians 2.10, 
Um, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared beforehand for us to do. Um, God has one single motive for you, and that is love. And he is working out your salvation. Christ's single motive for you is love. We see this love displayed most radically on the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Uh, We're going to take communion. Uh, There's uh, just some logistics. There is gluten-free bread at the back. Um, I want to uh, take time to pray, though, that you can prepare your hearts. Uh, There'll be... Uh, just groups, groups of about 10 up at the front, and don't feel obligated to come up. Um, if you're kind of at the beginning of your stage of just exploring Jesus, <clears throat> and you don't know if you say, you know, following God's calling on my life is the purpose of my life, is the meaning of my life. If you're not quite there, um, where you, you can't say Jesus is the most important thing in my life, uh, there's no shame in not coming up. I mean, it's for everyone, but there's no shame in not, in not coming up. Um, so let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Moses' example, who he said, oh Lord, please send someone else. Um, but in the end, he went. And I want to pray for each person here this morning who um, finds themselves resistant to your calling. And um, I pray that you would soften hearts this morning, uh, that we would um, see you as that, uh, as that child asked me, you know, do you see Jesus? Um, I pray that, that each person here would get to see Jesus, through the eyes of faith. Um, God, we want to live our lives as Jesus did, uh, completing the work that you have given us. Um, We pray that this meal would be fuel that would give us the grace to be about our Father's business, whether that's the mechanic shop or whether that's in the office, or whether that's serving as a, as a mom or a dad, uh, that you would use this meal to give us the grace to be about our Father's business this week. Um, fill us. Um, give us the grace that we need. Through Christ we pray. Amen.